Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. So today it's me again, and I'm going to be talking about reciprocal roles, which is about how we relate to each other, how we related to our parents and caregivers, and then how we parent ourselves and interact with others, and how this all interplays and plays out, I guess, with eating disorders. So I just want to mention, obviously, it's been me for the last few podcast episodes. So I will be having more guests back again. But there have been a few weeks where we've had a few time issues and sadly guests being ill. And that is the reason that you've had a run of me. But more guests will be coming. So do stay tuned if you're missing the guests episodes. So reciprocal roles. The theory of reciprocal roles is something that comes from cognitive analytic therapy, but it's a useful tool that can be applied to real life outside the therapy room to help you understand your relationships with others and your relationship with yourself. So the reciprocal roles model says that as we grow up into adulthood, we learn about different ways of relating to others or roles. From each important relationship in our childhood, we will learn two ways of relating. So one of them is our role as a child who felt and acted in a certain way towards the parent figure. But we also learn by example from the parental role. And when we're talking about parent figure or parental role, this doesn't just have to be our parents. It can be any other caregiver or significant adult in our life. It could even maybe be an older sibling, somebody though that has had quite an impact on your life and has influenced the way that you view the world. It applies as well to people sometimes outside the family. So it could be teachers, it could be someone at a sports club that you used to attend. So you can see When we're talking about parental role, we are really talking about it in the broader sense. So if you were brought up in a secure relationship in which you really felt you could trust the other person to consider your needs and take care of you, then you will carry out these roles into your adult relationships. And this is quite an unconscious process. So you will seek out people who make you feel equally secure and cared for and will be able to care for them in return. If, however, you had a different early experience, the roles you have grown up with may not be as helpful to you as an adult. So, for example, if your early experience was with a parent who is very conditional, so only giving you attention and approval when you're behaving in exactly the way they wanted, then you will learn to be a child who strives constantly to do the right thing. And in later relationships, you will have the tendency to act out this role, doing what you think the other person wants you to do and fearing rejection if you don't get it right. So in this scenario, you will not feel free to be yourself 
And you may even secretly resent the other person. In other situations, you may act out the parental role that you have learned. So then being conditional of others and expecting them to do exactly as you want, rather than accepting them for who they are. So therefore, in our adult relationships, we might invite people to act out the different roles from our childhood that feel familiar. We may push them into acting out the parental role with us at the child end, or we may act out the parental role, inviting others to take on the child position. Now, these forces are often unconscious and they may be an attempt to recreate a situation and somehow to get it right this time. But unless we become aware of them, they can drive us to behave in ways that make our lives limited and miserable and can be very, very restrictive. So just give you an example from my life. In my early life, I did have quite a difficult relationship with my dad. And definitely in my teens, early 20s, as I was going into relationships with male figures, I was seeking out people that, and unconsciously here, that made me feel the same as I'd felt in that relationship with my dad. And this was perhaps seeking out people who were a bit more controlling, were a bit more conditional, because that's what was safe and familiar. And it doesn't seem logical, does it? Because of, I guess, with our rational mind, we often think, of course, I'm going to like, make it really different from how it was as a child, you know, for me as a child, that's if you've had a negative experience or partly negative experience. But our unconscious drives us to seek out the familiar. So it's really, really interesting. But the really helpful thing is that once you become aware of your patterns and who you are drawn to, to almost reenact these childhood relationships, you can start to take a step back. You can begin to question yourself and you can begin to think about forming more healthy relationships. Okay, so what kind of reciprocal roles are we talking about? So if you've had what we call a good enough parent, and remember as well, I'm talking here not just about a parent, but the broader sense of significant people in your life. So if you have people in your life when you're growing up who are supportive, loving and encouraging, as a child, you're going to feel loved, accepted and really cared for. And if you've had this, it really is such a gift that you have with you to take through life. Because if you have genuinely felt loved as a child, completely as you are, with no conditions placed on that, you know, just really loving you for you being you, it's such a gift to take into your adult life, into your adult relationships, because of you're so much more at peace with yourself. You feel, you know, I'm okay. I'm good enough. I'm loved. I'm worthy. I don't need to pretend. I don't need to put on a front. I can be who I am and that's okay. That is good enough. And I guess even if you had maybe it's quite a sort of dysfunctional family upbringing where you didn't experience that, you may have had glimmers of that. Or sometimes perhaps if you didn't get it from a parent, you got it from a grandparent. Or maybe you got it from a club at school where one of the teachers was really invested in you and supported in you. So helpful to reflect, really, because of where we've had that good enough parenting 
that is such a gift. And we can really sort of integrate that, internalize that. And it almost gives us permission then to accept and love ourselves as adults. Now, another reciprocal role we often see in the therapy room is when the adult is maybe critical or controlling. And I think this can be seen in two different ways. There's perhaps more the sort of what I would think of as the obvious controlling, perhaps someone being a bit bossy, a bit didactic, always saying what you have to do, being overly strict. But there can also be the parent who is perhaps just very, really anxious. So their rules and strictness come really from a place of care, but fueled by anxiety, always fearing the worst. So putting a lot of sort of rigidity in place for you as a child with good intention because they're trying to protect you, but actually it becomes quite smothering. So if you've experienced a lot of criticism or over-control in your childhood, as a child, you would have felt criticized, controlled, probably not good enough. And then what you would have tended to do as a child is you will go one of two ways. You will either have become the really good child who feels that they always have to please, be that perfect child, has to keep the harmony, keep the adults happy. Because if they learn, you know, as a child, you learn that when you do this, you get acceptance, you're not rejected, everything is okay. And as a child, we so need to feel that we are loved and accepted. Alternatively, what can happen is sometimes the child might just completely rebel against those rules. The rules feel too rigid, too smothering, too overwhelming. The child feels they can't possibly even meet these rules, meet these objectives. So they kind of rebel and go the other way. What's quite interesting is that within sort of siblings, within a family, you might see people taking on different roles. So you might see some children being more pleasers, some people being more rebels. Now, the tricky thing is, is if you've had a lot of criticism or over control as a child, what you tend to do is you go into adulthood, you internalize that criticism, and then you tend to place a lot of standards on yourself. and This is often very relevant around eating disorders and around body image because of what you start to do. One of the ways that you can become very critical and controlling of yourself is by imposing very strict rules about your eating, about your weight. And you have then this kind of internal critical parent, like some people might as well call it the eating disorder voice. That's not true for everybody, though, because I think people experience this differently. But you have this kind of critical, controlling internal parent that is always chastising you, is always kind of like telling that you're not good enough, is always moving the goalposts. And it's very, very hard to ever feel that you are winning. So quite helpful, again, to reflect, really, like if you recognize that you have a strong internal critical parent, can you look back to your past? Can you see where you may have developed this? And I think as well, just the culture generally can be a bit critical controlling. One, in terms of idealized images of how we should look. And also our academic system is very sort of geared up in schools that we are graded. We are judged by how good we are academically. For some people, that's an incredibly rich and environment which allows them to flourish and do well. Other people 
that's incredibly restrictive and limiting and it results in them just feeling not worthy not good enough because they can never kind of meet the standards imposed by the system so again just really helpful to reflect what is relevant for you the next reciprocal role is the neglecting or overlooking reciprocal role now this is one that is surprisingly common particularly from the emotional element in our western culture So I think as well, talking more now about British culture, in British culture, often our parents have been brought up to not be able to express their emotions, not be able to express vulnerability. You know, if you ask someone in British culture, particularly in the olden days, how are you? Everything is fine. You know, it's that stiff upper lip. We don't show emotion. And that can be quite dangerous because if we are not able to express, name, validate, process our emotions in a healthy way, they're probably going to kind of come out in other ways through drinking, through eating disorders, through overwork, through lots of other unhealthy coping strategies. So a common thing we hear in therapy is that people might say, actually, I know I was loved as a child. I know that people really cared for me. You know, I know my mum loved me. I know my dad loved me. And physically, I had all my needs cared for. We had money. We were never short of clothes. We had food on the table. However, when people start to reflect sometimes, they realise that there wasn't really space within the home for emotional expression, for emotions to be talked about. And if you grew up and you didn't have this at home, you wouldn't have even known really that something was missing. You probably just would have known that you didn't feel quite right. And you might have noticed that from quite young, you may have developed little coping strategies to deal with your difficult emotions. So you may have turned to food, you may have had some like sort of checking rituals or little sort of obsessive things that you had to do. You may have been a bit withdrawn. You may have self-harmed. You know, there probably might have been little clues from early on that would have indicated that maybe there was something going on at home that made it hard to express emotions. So again, I'm saying this from a place of compassion for parents because I think parents can only do what they have experienced themselves. And if you've had parents that were brought up maybe in an environment that didn't allow them to express their feelings, where they had to have that stiff upper lip, where feelings were buried, where no one really talked about how they felt, then of course, your parents are not going to have any idea how to put that into practice. And another way sometimes that emotions get really overlooked in the home is maybe if the home environment was just really busy and chaotic, or maybe parents were going through stresses like a bereavement or a divorce or maybe a sibling being unwell. So there was so much going on at home. There just wasn't really space for your emotional needs to be tended to. So there can be multiple reasons for this happening. And it's so helpful to reflect and understand this. So if you experience this neglecting or sort of emotionally being emotionally overlooked as a child then as a child you probably would have felt a bit overlooked or a bit unimportant a bit uncared for and this will mean then as an adult 
you are quite emotionally neglectful of yourself because if you have not been used to someone being there, like helping you to talk about your emotions, validating your emotions, giving you permission to express your emotions freely, as you become an adult, you'll probably be quite out of tune with your emotions. You'll be very used to just kind of charging on, distracting yourself, not tuning in. And you may have then several unhelpful protein coping strategies in your adult life. Okay, the next reciprocal role is the abusive parent to the abused child. Now, this one is perhaps a little bit more obvious, you know, for anyone who has experienced emotional, physical or sexual abuse from a parent or a parental figure. Of course, this is extremely traumatic. Of course, this is going to have a real impact on how you feel about yourself, how you trust others, how you feel safe in the world. And if you've experienced this as you move into adulthood, without a lot of support, perhaps through therapy, good relationships, etc., you're going to be very highly at risk of repeating some of those abusive patterns in terms of how you parent yourself. So this, again, might result in, you know, relating to eating disorders, restriction of food, binge eating, just not ignoring your needs, you know, pushing yourself in a very punishing way, maybe self-harming. But again, it's quite an unconscious process, you know, because I think if you've experienced abuse, understandably, you're not going to feel deep down in your core that you're worthy, that you're lovable, that you're acceptable. And as you go into adulthood, your internal parent is that extremely critical and often self-sabotaging, unkind, abusive parent that, you know, results in you acting out in uncaring, unkind and abusive ways towards yourself. So if you recognize that as well, you know, I'd really encourage you to get support through therapy and to realize that that's really okay. And you shouldn't be expected to just be able to kind of manage that alone as is true actually with the other reciprocal roles as well, but I think particularly that one. Another reciprocal role that we can see in the therapy room as well is when a parent was absent. So this can be if they were absent, maybe the parent died, maybe a parent left when you were younger. And often what happens here is that that parent becomes quite idealised to the child because if you're not interacting with a parent, you're not often seeing them in the kind of real sense of that relationship day to day. So sometimes as well, you can almost have them on a pedestal, almost as this kind of fantasy figure. And you can project so many of your kind of hopes and longings for parenting onto that person. And this might result as well, then as you go into adulthood, having that fantasy of finding the perfect person that's going to really care for you and look after you. And of course, there is no one like that out there, unfortunately. You know, we can have really deep and fulfilling relationships, but no one out there can really rescue you. No one can like whisk you up and make it all perfect as much as romantic stories might kind of give us a different idea of that. So again, if you're always kind of drawn towards people that are quite unavailable, 
if you kind of put people on a pedestal and imagine that they have all these amazing qualities and that they're going to be able to kind of make everything perfect for you. Again, it might be helpful to look at your childhood and to realize what might be going on there. So have a reflect, you know, what is relevant for you from the reciprocal roles, you know, see which ones really ring true. And I guess the thing to consider is that ideally what we all want to be working towards is finding that good enough internal parent inside of us. So it's not trying to be perfect. It's not about only loving ourselves when we achieve certain grades or we look a certain way or are weighted a certain number or we achieve a certain thing in a hobby. It's about accepting ourselves unconditionally as we are. And of course, we can still pursue all those different achievements and outside things. However, you want to be moving towards a good enough place where you feel that you're worthy in spite of these things. And of course, talking about this, it can sound quite simple. And looking at it from a rational perspective, it can make sense. But I think emotionally, this is really hard work because if you've experienced and consistently some of the less helpful reciprocal roles, those roles are going to be strongly internalized and it's going to feel really unnatural and wrong when you try to do something different. However, we can learn and hopefully for most people listening, they will have experienced a mix of reciprocal roles growing up. So even if you had some very negative influences, hopefully there was some good enough in there somewhere. And I guess reflecting on that, you want to think about, you know, were there any relationships where I felt good enough, loved, encouraged, supported exactly just for me? And if you can reflect on those relationships and then think about beginning to parent yourself in the same way. And if that fight feels really hard to access any memories like that, think as well about how you would care for a really good friend or a loved one or a pet. So I think as well, people with eating disorders are usually incredibly kind and considerate people and are far better at caring for others than they are at caring for themselves. I guess the message here is you deserve to care for yourself too. And that isn't selfish, because actually, when you really care for yourself and you fill yourself up, you will feel so much more peaceful and joyful and content. And then actually, you will be a joy to be around because of when you're beating yourself up, when you're critical and controlling and hard on yourself, understandably, it's going to make you irritable and anxious and upset and stressed and disgusted. So think about today, what's the first baby step? you towards good enough good luck so i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you're not following me already do seek me out on instagram at the eating disorder therapist and for further support with your relationship with food do go to the eating disorder therapist.co.uk if you enjoy this podcast i'd be so grateful if you would follow rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners thank you so much for listening today and i look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon mm-hmm.